We all have questions. We all need answers. It is on this program that we get our answers from the Bible. It's time to Ask the Preacher with Rev. Carl Gallops of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. Welcome to another edition of Ask the Preacher. I'm your host, Mike Bates, and with me in the studio, as he is every week, is the pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, Reverend Carl Gallops. Welcome, Carl. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be here, as always. My question for you today is about a subject that throughout Christian history, it has been widely believed to exist, but there seems to be this modern-day movement that, nah, it can't really be that bad. And so that's why we come to you for the answers. And that is this. Is hell a real place? Or is it just a myth to try to keep us in line? Yeah. Well, I can see why people who don't know the Word of God might think, well, it's just a myth to keep keep people in line. It's just a tool that the church uses or Christianity uses. But the bottom line is the teaching of hell. And and we're going to take this program. We've got a good almost 30 minutes to really explain it well. So I encourage people to listen to the entire program. But the teaching of hell is a, it is a biblical doctrine and the Bible presents it as a literal reality. Now, there are different ways that it's presented, and some of them even sound contradictory, And uh, but but I, I don't think so. I, I, I think that it is, uh, all of these terms are, are, are appropriate, and they are a part of the description of this place called hell. The Bible speaks of hell quite often. The Bible speaks of hell as being a place of isolation, a place of loneliness, a place of, of outer darkness, uh, a place of, uh, of pain, a place of torment, a place of of, 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 of burning, uh, of fire, of, uh, of it just, it paints, the Bible paints the ugliest picture one can imagine of a place where one might have to spend eternity. And from, uh, from the uh, Old Testament throughout the New Testament, the doctrine of hell is proclaimed. Now, what some people might not know, Mike, is that Jesus actually spoke of the existence of hell more often than he spoke of the existence of heaven. That's interesting. I didn't know that. In fact, almost three times as many references to hell come out of the mouth of Jesus than references to heaven. Now, what does that mean? Well, it, it, it doesn't mean that, uh, uh, that Jesus was placing more emphasis on hell than heaven necessarily in that sense, but what it does mean is that, that Jesus presented it as literal. He, he presented it as an eternal abode where there was no second chance. Obviously, he was passionate about it and heartfelt and did not want the listeners to his message to go there, which is why he spent so much time talking about it and emphasizing it. Uh, now, he spoke of heaven a lot. He spoke of the kingdom of heaven, of course. He spoke of him being the only way to get into heaven, of course. But he spoke of hell even more often. I also find it interesting, Mike, that the very people who think of hell as a myth are also very quick to hold on to the reality, to the literal reality of heaven. Mm. <laughs> In other words, oh, we believe heaven's literal, but but we think hell is a myth. It's just something used to uh, to control people with. Now, but, 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 
wait a minute, where'd you get your understanding of heaven? Well, it comes from the Judeo-Christian and biblical understanding. Oh, so you're going to pick and choose. You're going to take something that's mentioned uh, X amount of times and say that's literal, but then take something that's mentioned three times more than that and say, oh, that's just a myth. Well, you, you know, you can't do that. Of course, you can't pick and choose. I, being a born-again Christian and a, and, a, and, a, and a Christian preacher, pastor, believe that the Word of God is true, that it is the accurate, infallible Word of God. And so when I come to these doctrines of heaven and hell, um, you're confronted with the reality of a place of eternal life called hell. Now that's interesting. We use our terms, Mike, um, interchangeably, and sometimes it's confusing. I just said a place of eternal life. Usually when the word eternal life is used by a preacher, we're speaking of heaven, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want to have eternal life? Then give your life to Jesus. But I often tell people, and this shocks people, I often tell people this at the conclusion of worship services or in crusades that I do or uh, revivals, evangelistic meetings, I'll often make a statement like this. Folks, I can guarantee you today, based upon the authority of God's word, that regardless of what you do with Jesus Christ, you will live forever. You will have eternal life. See, the Bible is clear about that. Now, these bodies that we have do not live forever. We know that. They, they wear out and, and, and go away. But there is a life within us that am, animates these bodies, that makes us individually unique and personal, our soul, our life. The Bible says, God says, that that life lives forever, regardless of what we do with the offer of salvation of Jesus Christ. But where we live forever does depend upon what we do with the offer of salvation through Jesus Christ. We will either live forever separated from God in what the Bible calls hell, and we'll talk about that in a little more detail in a moment, or we will live forever in the presence of God, our Creator, in what the Bible calls heaven. Now the truth of the matter, Mike, is that we literally, us humans in the flesh who have never been to either one of those places, spiritually speaking, we don't know exactly what heaven is. We don't know exactly what hell is other than what the Bible describes. And the Bible gives enough description of both that I know I want to go to heaven and not to hell. <laughs> because simply put, heaven is the place where Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Heaven is the place where God our creator is. Heaven is the place where the Bible says there's no more death, no more pain, no more crying. Uh, uh, heaven is the place where there is eternal life in a state of not, the Bible does not present the picture of us floating on a cloud playing a harp, but it presents the picture of us ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ, a purposeful life of, of, of importance and majesty and exaltation and a place of uh, a glorified state of existence, of, of, of perfect health and perfect mental uh, capacity, perfect emotional capacity, back into the presence of, of God our Creator in a paradise restored, so to speak. On the other hand, it speaks of hell in many different ways as a place of utter despair, a place of darkness, loneliness, isolation, separateness, a place of pain, a place of anguish, a place of regret. Uh, now, people ask me, yeah, but do you believe the Bible, you know, it talks about hell being a place of fire and burning and brimstone. And do you believe that the descriptions in the Bible are literal about hell? And that's kind of the question you asked up front. My answer to that, Mike, is that, well, let's talk about what literal means. First of all, the Bible presents it literally, so I, I take it that way. Now, if I find out that that's, that, you know, if, if we discover in the afterlife and when all things are made perfect and clear to us that hell was not that literal description, then all I can say is this. Mike, if you're driving down the road 
and you come across a big warning sign. It says, warning, dangerous intersection ahead. Okay? Um, what's the most dangerous thing? That sign that warns you of the dangerous intersection or the dangerous intersection? Well, obviously well, the intersection itself obviously is where the danger exists. Exactly. The sign is only a symbol of things to come. But the ultimate reality is worse than the symbol. Mm -hmm. So when people say to me, well, all that stuff in the Bible about hell, that's just symbolic. I say, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. I hope not. <laughs> because if describing it as a place of anguish and torment and torture and fire and burning and loneliness and isolation and separation is merely a symbol, then the ultimate reality is unthinkable. Yeah. See, so the, the agony and the torture and loneliness and all that sort of makes sense to, to a spiritual being. But the fire and brimstone, if you're not in your physical body, right. can your soul feel heat? Right. Will it know that it's right. unhappy? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. People ask that, and all we can do is speculate now. But right, I know that obviously uh, uh, the, the Bible presents... See, we have such a hard time, Mike, because we're, we're finite, fleshly, earthly creatures. And we associate everything according to what we see in our flesh. I've used this illustration in many shows before, but I want to use it again here because it really helps to make a point about how two realities can exist. They can be totally real and, 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 and physical, but different realities, and they exist side by side. And I've given the illustration of a fish pond in a man's backyard and how under the surface of the water there's a whole other world that exists. And they are, they are physical creatures, the fish and everything that exists under that water. They have no idea of the world around them that exists around them, the human world, yet the human world is flesh and blood and physical. Now, a different kind of physical than the fish but yet truly physical. Those are not little ghosts floating around under the water, and we're not little ghosts floating around on the outside. So what we are is two, re two dimensions of reality that exist side by side. Both of us are physical, so to speak, but we are very, yet at the same time very different. And I think that's what the Bible is attempting to explain to us when it uses the term spiritual and spiritual beings and spirituality. It's not that it's a ghost vapor-like state, but it is a real, and I'm going to use the word physical, and I don't know that I mean flesh and blood, but when Jesus came out of the tomb alive, he was physical. When Jesus told the story in Luke about the rich man that died and went to hell, and he said, I thirst, and he was speaking, and he could see, and he had his memories. He says, please go back and tell my brothers. Uh, he said, I'm thirsting, I'm burning in this place. I mean, all of these physical attributes were given to this man who was in hell. So, so the only thing that I can conclude from this, Mike, is that when we leave this earth, that we somehow... Uh, through the planning and the sovereignty of God, we all live forever, regardless of what we do with Jesus Christ. It just depends on where we live. And we all are in a state of, and I'm, I'm going to use this term because I don't know any other term to use it, of physicalness. But yet it is a physicalness that never dies again. Mm -hmm. so, so yes, I would assume from what I read in the scriptures that yes, a person in hell is physically aware of themselves, mentally aware of themselves, emotionally aware of themselves, um, mentally, emotionally, and physically aware of their surroundings. They are able to feel and experience emotions, sadness, 
pain and all of these things, and these comes from the, this comes from different teachings of the Bible and stories that Jesus told, or accounts, as the word stories makes it sound like it's just a little children's thing, but, but the accounts that Jesus told, parables Jesus told, teachings that Jesus told, as well as Old Testament uh, statements about uh, the afterlife um, after one has, has died without uh, being a person of faith. And so, yes, I, I would have to assume, Mike, that uh, according to the teachings of the Bible, that, uh, that the teachings about fire and, and heat have to do with the warning that somehow there will be physical awareness and physical pain uh, that will be real and it will be forever and there will be no death to alleviate one from that pain. Now, that, that's a horrible thought. Mm-hmm. But, but that's why we preach the gospel so passionately is that this offer of life is held out to all who would, who would but receive God's offer of life. And, 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 and hell, whatever it is, and, and I know what the Bible says, and I believe what the Bible says, but for the sake of this program, whatever it is, because we don't know, we haven't physically experienced it, is, is, is avoidable. And it's not worth the, 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 the whatever rewards or desires we think are fulfilled by rejecting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So, but it, it, it can be a complex study, Mike, because, because let, let me just get technical for just a moment here for our listeners. Um, the, the word that we call hell in the Old Testament, primarily written in Hebrew, there's some Chaldean uh, in, the, in, in the Old Testament, but primarily it's written in Hebrew. Uh, the Old Testament word for hell is, is Sheol. S-H-E-O-L, I think, is how you would spell it in the English. That's the Hebrew word, sheol. Now, that's often translated hell in, in, in the English. Now, the Greek word for hell uh, that seems to be the equivalent of sheol is Hades, H-A-D-E-S. Um, uh, and sometimes the word hell and Hades is used interchangeably uh, in the English language as well as um, in the translation from Greek to English. So you have this word Sheol and Hades. Now, now truly what those words mean, Mike, and see this is, how, this is why it gets complex because we know what a word is and we know what a word means, but sometimes we use it differently than what it literally means. The literal meaning of Sheol and Hades is not necessarily that terrible place of punishment, but they simply mean the abode of the dead, both good and bad. So in other words, see Mike, if let's say you were a believer in Jesus Christ and I was not, and we both died today, we would both be in Sheol. Mm -hmm. We would both be in Hades. Now, I know people listening are freaking out, saying, oh, preacher said we'd both be in hell. I did not say that. I said we would both be in the Greek word Hades, simply meaning we're not on this earth anymore. But now within the abode of the dead, Mike would be with Jesus. Carl would be in hell. Or, or, or another way of looking at it, let's say like prison. A holding place, a waiting place. Waiting or holding for what, one might ask. Revelation 20 answers that question. It says, when death and hell gave up the dead within them, and they were brought before the great white throne of judgment, and they were shown their name was not written in the Lamb's book of life. They were shown the books were open and all of their deeds were exposed. They had never surrendered to Jesus. And then after that, Mike, it says in the final analysis, they were then thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. So see... In the Bible, in Revelation says it, and that is the second death. Now think about this, Mike. See, a lot, a lot of Christians don't think about this. They don't. As I said, this can be a very complex topic, and it mm-hmm. goes a little deeper than just somebody went died and went to hell. Well, if a person dies without Jesus Christ, they die the physical death. Then they open their eyes, according to the Bible, and here they are again in some kind of physical reality, 
Okay? I'm not saying a flesh and blood reality like we're on earth, but a physical reality where they feel and experience. And they wind up realizing that they are totally aware I am separated from God. And it's forever. And now I'm waiting to be thrown into the lake of fire. And whatever all that means. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's what it means to die without Jesus Christ and go to hell. See, But for the believer... The New Testament is very clear. For us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, for us to, uh, Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And that word be means you will exist. You will be alive. You will uh, be with me where in paradise. So, so uh, yes, uh, it's a complex topic. Uh, Sheol, Hades means the abode of the dead. Uh, and in the Old Testament, Mike, before they had the full revelation of Jesus Christ and the resurrection and his teaching, they didn't really, they, they, they believed in an afterlife. They believed in eternal life, but they didn't really know how to pinpoint that. And so they would often say, like, King David died and went to be with his fathers, it would say. Uh, you say it's almost like an ancestor kind of worship in the Old Testament. It, it's not. It is not. Their, their understanding was much deeper than that. But the way they described it without the full revelation of Jesus Christ was they, they went to Sheol, the abode of the dead. And they knew, and the Old Testament teaching and doctrine about this is clear, that they knew that those outside of faith in God lived apart from God in Sheol, in a place of, 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 of torment. But those who had faith in God and who served God with their lives went on to a reward or, or, or to be in a place with God himself. So it can be a complex topic. I see you've got questions on your mind. Well, I do have a, a question. We've got to take our break now. But when we get back from the break, I'm going to ask, because hell sounds like such an awful place, which I guess is the point. That's the point. But my question for you when we return is, how could such a loving and merciful God create such a, well, hellish place? Thank you for asking that. That's a question that's asked a lot. We'll get the answer to that question when Ask the Preacher continues. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher. I'm your host, Mike Bates. With me in the studio, Reverend Carl Gallops. Carl, it says in Colossians chapter 1 that God created everything. And so the logical conclusion of that is God created hell. My question for you for the second half of today's program is how could such a loving and merciful God create such a hellish place. Yeah. Well, and you're referring, of course, to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, where it says that uh, Jesus Christ, through him and by him, all things that were, were, have been made were made, things visible and invisible, authorities, powers, principalities, etc., which it's kind of another show, but you said it says that God says, I mean, that God created everything. And that's right, because it says Jesus, and Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, that's just another show about the deity of Jesus, because Colossians chapter 1 really expresses the deity of Jesus. He calls him God. He said he's the creator. He created everything. But back to the point, so so the inference you're making is that that means he created hell. Yeah, uh, yes, it does. That seems like an awfully mean thing for yeah, such and a why cool would he God do to do. And, of course, the question that follows, and I think you asked it right before we went to the break, is, is that why would a loving God send anybody there or, or do this such a thing? Okay, and so let me just answer all that. Yes, God did create hell, and a loving God, he is a loving God, and he doesn't send anybody there. Uh, we have a choice 
He provided the way out of hell. We are the ones that provided our destiny of hell by spitting in his face, starting in the garden, infecting the human race with the sin nature, which we all have, this rebellious nature to, rebe to, to, to spit in God's face and on his word and, and, and on his law. But he's the one who lovingly stuck his hand out and said, hey, let me, let me fix this. Let me offer you a way out of this. Take my hand. He's the one that provided the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. He's the one that provided the empty tomb. He's the one that provides the Holy Spirit in us now and the offer of salvation. If I were God and I had created and my creation spit in my face, I probably would have just stamped them all out and started over. <laughs> but, but see, God is more loving and gracious and merciful than I am. So he doesn't send anybody to hell. In fact, he's the one that offers the way out. However, you say, why did he create hell? I'm going to ask you a question, Mike. Why do we build prisons? No. Aren't you glad we do? Sure. Yeah, yeah. He created hell, Mike, because it was an absolute necessity when he created the living being called a human being. And we're not an animal. We're not a robot. We're not a puppet on a string. We are a living being created in his image with freedom of choice and life, eternal life. The breath of God is within us, the book of Genesis says. His very breath. What does that mean? Well, it's a... A metaphorical way of saying that we have somehow within us the life of God himself. Now, we're not little gods, but we do live forever outside of this physical state that we're in now. And so, if that is true, and since Saddam Hussein will live forever, and since Osama bin Laden will live forever, and since Adolf Hitler will live forever, aren't you glad there's a hell, Mike? You, you, you see, it's God in his love. Hell, I tell people this all the time. It freaks them out, but I tell them, you know, hell is an expression of God's love. The same reason why prisons are an expression of a civilized society. Because we recognize the fact that we cannot have criminals, murderers, rapists, idiots, thieves, burglars living completely within the same society we live in unrestrained. There has to be a separating process if we're going to live. All right, so in the eternal scheme of things, we all live forever, God says. But you will live forever ever, either with me in my domain, where I will make all things new and all things right again, uh, paradise restored, so to speak, or you will live forever separated from me, and the choice is yours. But if you choose to live forever separated from me, then, then this is where you will uh, live. So the, so the Bible says that Jesus created it all. A lot of people think that hell is where Satan lives. It's not where Satan lives. The Bible says, and Jesus said that Satan is the, is uh, his domain right now is he, he, he wanders to and fro over the face of the earth. His is in the spiritual, physical domain of coming, of, of dealing in people's minds and powers and nations and politics and in the heads of powerful people and, and the heads and hearts of you and me uh, trying to corrupt this creation that God has created. The domain of Satan right now Jesus calls him the prince of the power of the air, or he calls him the ruler of this age. Uh, this is Satan's domain. Hell is not Satan's domain. Uh, hell is the final destination place of Satan and all those who follow him by rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so, so yes, hell was created by Jesus Christ. It was created as an act of sanity and as an act of love. Uh, he and he alone paid the price to give the choice so that people do not have to go there. And the choice is so clear and the, and the method is so simple, Mike. We don't have to stand on our head and count to ten and give a million dollars to a priest. All we have to do is get on our knees and say, yes, Jesus, I want heaven. Yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. Yes, I'm a sinner in your presence. You're God and I'm not. 
please save me. I want my life to bring glory to you. Please save me. It's as, it's as simple as that. A child can do it. A five-year-old child can do it and understand that. Or a 95-year-old man or woman can do it and understand it. And anybody in between. It's as simple as that. So the choice is clear. The choice is powerful. The choice is easy. The choice is simple. And for all of those reasons, millions reject it, Mike. Because they would rather follow their own sinful nature. Yet the hand of Jesus is outstretched all along. There is a heaven. There is a hell. The Bible speaks of hell three times more than it speaks of heaven. It is a reality now, how literal it follows the biblical description, I don't know. But I see the biblical description. I take it literal. And if it's symbolic, then God help us. It's even worse than the symbol. And, uh, and I tell people like Jesus tells pe told people, uh, you don't want to go there. Uh, surrender your life to the God that created you, the God that allows your next heartbeat. Give him glory and honor with your life and spend eternity in heaven when you leave this world. And if you do end up in hell... That's pretty much it. There is no redemption. There is at that no point. second chance. There's no appeals. To the, there's process. no appeals. There's no second chance. All you're waiting on from that point is the great white throne of judgment where the books will be open, Revelation 20 says, and you will be shown so that there's no argument before all of the world. Every thought, deed, and, and activity of your life that rejected Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says you'll be thrown into the lake of fire, and the Bible calls that the second death. How horrible, Mike. And all of that can be avoided by getting out of one's prideful, egotistical self and bowing their knee and saying, Jesus, please save me. And since none of us know when we're going to die, don't wait. We don't have, the, we don't have guarantee of another moment, Mike. Right. So make the decision. Don't wait. That's right. We are out of time. More information on this and other subjects is available at the website, www.hickoryhammockbaptist.org. Carl, would you please close us in prayer? I will. Jesus, it is my passionate desire that all of those listening today to this program would understand the importance of it, that those who are not saved would surrender their life to you today so that they could spend eternity in heaven. Lord, I pray that no one listening to this show today will find themselves in hell because they rejected you. That is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.